Hello and welcome to The Art of Self-Belief, hosted by me, Estella Edwards. This podcast is about the power of self-belief. What you think about is what you become. And this podcast will teach you how you can overcome the challenges you may face in your life and career. With over 30 years of experience in passionately championing women and diversity in the workplace, it felt only right to create a platform where we can hear from women who excel in their field. And I'll be chatting to them about their triumphs and how they've navigated the obstacles along their path to success. My signature program, The Art of Self-Belief with Estella Edwards, is all about helping women to learn and develop the mindset, skills and tools necessary to lead from within. I celebrate the incredible achievements of women in leadership, covering the wide breadth of intergenerational industry experience. With the help of my inspiring guests, the podcast will shed light on how to implement self-belief in a modern world. So listen out for some key tips, tricks and anecdotes to help you. And today we have with us the inspirational, authentic, distinguished guest, Yutunde Dania. Yutunde, I loved reading, learning about you, walking your journey with you and our conversations that we've had. But for those who don't know you, who are you and what has your journey been like? (laughs) Oh, wow. What a question and what an introduction. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Um, Who am I? As I said to you earlier, I'm Yatunde from Great Yarmouth. (laughs) which people go who from where um so my backstory in a nutshell um I'm of Nigerian heritage and at the age of one I was fostered by white English elderly foster parents so my mum and dad I called them mum and dad um had fostered fostered for Bernardo's and they'd fostered 50 odd children They'd adopted one and I was, well, I wasn't even, Bernardo's had said, you can't have any more babies. And they were like, yeah, but we still got so much love. And um, they met my mum and I got fostered privately. So I grew up with them, um, spent most of my life in Great Yarmouth. I think my mum had planned to take me back, but I got so attached to my parents that I stayed. And so... Yeah, that's that's who I am. That that's where I grew up. I spent most of my time in Great Yarmouth. So going to school, I was one of there was three of us, set of twins, um, and um, so then my I'm sure we'll talk about my journey. I don't want to give it all away at once, but um, uh, yeah, I did all of my early years studying there and my schooling and everything, um, and. Yeah, the rest is history. But that's essentially my foundation. And my foundation my foundation is richness because even though I was fostered, mm-hmm. my parents were still in my life. So I had that richness of um, a Nigerian heritage. Quite different because my foster parents were extremely liberal, um, whereas my, you know, Nigerian... Nigerians are known for their... Um, what's the word? The history, not the history, the culture. The culture was very different, um, and that was that 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 resulted in some fireworks at some sometimes. But I give thanks for that background because I do feel that having grown up in an English environment and a very predominantly white environment, it gave me the tools to navigate as I got older. That is an interesting point about socialisation mm-hmm. and the fact that, in effect, so you've had dual because our socialisation is quite key to us in terms of the modelling 
and how we navigate our terrain. I, I think that's really right. If if anybody out there knows Nigerians in particular, they're very focused on education, very focused on the profession. So it's doctor, lawyer, accountant. That's what you will be. That's that's the that's the dream ticket. And I think that married with my foster parents telling me you can be anything that you you want to be, you can be anywhere where you want to be, enabled me to say, okay, let, let's kind of let's kind of do this. Um, I didn't necessarily grow up wanting to be a solicitor until may, maybe my teenage years. Um, I saw a photo of a cousin in Nigeria and she was in her gown and her wig and she just looked so majestic and amazing. And I was like, what's that? I want to be it. And I think, you know, it was very much school was just like, mm, I don't think I don't think that's for you. But, you know, and I think that was the bit that propelled me being told no. Because if you tell me no, what is it? What is it on the other side that you don't want me to experience? Thank you. Now, I'm just going to for our guests, could you just share what your role is? Oh, well, where do I start? Okay. Maybe if you start with <laughs> what your role is now, but then we'll just make a link because you have navigated your journey in, in my opinion, in a really, really tactful way, given, you know, your, I guess, the start, you know, <laughs> Your, your history so yeah okay so I have a number of titles so mm. I'm a partner at Trous and Hamlin Solicitors so I am a solicitor I specialize in civil litigation so that's number one I also am head of our Birmingham office so that's number two um, I am also the independent chair of the race equalities task force uh, which is backed by Andy Street the mayor and West Midlands combined authority I'm also a wife, number four, <laughs> um, and um, I, I have, um, yeah, that, that's my four main hats that I wear. Well, well, firstly, um, I take my hat off to you. You <laughs> um, when you were at school, I'm going to just jump from facts here mm. that you were told anecdotally um, that you'd be, when asking mm. about uh, becoming a solicitor, that you would more than likely be disappointed and was told that maybe a prison warden job was better for you. What did that do with your self-belief? And one question and another one, because I'm excited, and um, what is self-belief? Because I think maybe I'll ask self-belief first, because what is self-belief? Because given that someone told you, you wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, I, I mean, the, no to me is a very powerful word, word. If you tell me no, it tells me then why not? And so that self-belief is the, okay, I'll prove you wrong. Because I, I really do feel, I remember qualifying and I, I literally said, I'm qualified now. This is what you told me I couldn't do. So the self-belief was, let me prove you wrong. Right. Let me get up every day and work on proving you, the system, whatever it is that you're, that you're wrong. If I'd taken your words, you would have held me back. Nice. You would have suppressed me. Mm -hmm. But that self-belief to say, I'll keep going. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't do just A-levels, uni, oh, get a training contract. Oh, look, I'm a solicitor. It took me a long, a long time to, to uh, or a longer period of time to qualify because straight out my grades weren't the kind of grades that you need in 2022. So I went off and did other things, which included a master's and, and so on. Um, but ultimately, 
that still couldn't stop me from where I thought I should be, the self-belief that I had to qualify. So for our audience listening and for our other younger women listening, so what did that journey actually look like? So maybe a, a little reflection on the... Yeah, I think the the journey, we're not islands, we're not on our own. Mm -hmm. And so it's about mentorship. So I found some great mentors and allies along the way who um, I could go to for advice. Um, It's about resilience because if it doesn't happen in the way that maybe you thought things were going to happen and you have to think, I need a different roadmap, it's about that resilience So it's where do you go, where are your safe spaces to go when you're feeling tired? So building that network around you. But a lot of, for me, it was those good people that said, you know what, actually, we're going to take some time. And I always, and I still talk to him till today, a chap called Dave Roberts, who was my sociology teacher on my A-levels. And he was the one, when I was kind of crushed with my grades, said, and, you know, what do you want to do? I want to be a solicitor. Okay, let's find a different way to make this happen. And he spent time with me. And I've got all of those people that still now, you know, so we're not islands. Mm -hmm. You know, we do rely on allyship and other people, whether they look like us or they don't look like us. So, um, you know, that was number one. But ultimately, it's the individual that has to put the work in. So notwithstanding that, I kind of, you know, when you go from parents telling you, face your studies, do the work, and you're like, oh, life's for living. Yeah, Yeah, I want to party a little bit and what have you. I kind of go, if I had that message in a different way, rather than if they'd help me see the future rather than just go, you can't do that now, you can't do that now. If they presented it in a way of maybe invest in your future, Mm. don't do that now. It's almost like a bank, isn't it? Pay in, draw down later. Yeah, that's a nice analogy. It is. Tweet, tweet. Tweet, tweet. (laughs) Yeah, but it is, isn't it? You know, pay into this now. There will be time for that in the future. I promise you, you'll be able to do it. But if you just do this now... And I'm not saying that I was a party like, but, you know, I'd like to have a good time. But I think that that's a real valid point that mm. you're saying there. And maybe when I, because you just caused me to reflect a moment and I think of, you know, my parents, but I guess it's the culture and the, so what's culture for our audience listening? That it's a belief. Culture is a belief, so it's a paradigm. It's the way in which, you know, a group may come together, think and impart information. And it was just a different way, wasn't it? It's just yeah. very kind of um, thou shall not. Read your book. Yeah, thou <laughs> shall not. You know, it yeah. was the it was the very, you know, it was the I think it was the the the, the parameters put in where, as opposed to sort of saying, you know what, invest now, draw down later. So, and I'd say that to anybody listening. If you're thinking, wow, this is going to take me time, it's worth it because you can draw down later. It will, all all the stuff that you're missing out on now will still be there in the future. You talked about building on resilience or the resilience. Mm. Can you let, for our audience listening, what's resilience? And because I do believe that through every setback, there's some lesson that we take and as we're carving and navigating our journey through that reflection, you take the learning. Uh, yeah, I think, um, oh, what is resilience for me? It It is that, okay, take a moment, take a moment, let's reframe this. Okay, I can't do this today. I might need to do it tomorrow or next week, but... Let me think of another way. Or let me just sit down and lick my wounds. As I said, I feel tired. Let me lick my wounds. Let me go to my safe place. Let me, you know, um, take off my weave if I wear one. Mm -hmm. You know, let me, you know, sit down and, you know, whatever whatever it is to you when you're really feeling like, 
just tired. And then it's how do I get nourished again? How do I get nourished? How do I put back into myself? Um, and and for me, it's been a lot of sisterhood and friends and 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 family. So there's your allies, your network. It's, it's my real network. Yeah, it's my new, real, you know, that real network of 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 support and you know. To, to get up and face another day, to put the lipstick on, to go, okay, I've got this, I can do it again. And for me, the toughest part was when I was applying for my training contract. It was tough. It was tough. Tough, tough, tough. Tell there us are, about there it for are, all of there, you. Yeah, it was tough because you have to go out, you have to research com- companies. You, at that point, I had to then write my specific letters and these people you know companies do not know or sometimes don't appreciate the power that they have so when a young person if you don't write back and even acknowledge them you're ignoring them why do you need to ignore them thank you for your letter of or thank you for your interest in our business either we're not recruiting at the right at the moment or give some kind of feedback I remember getting a rejection the company doesn't exist now it's been taken up taken by another company but there's rejection by compliment slip at the time you know and it lever arch and you know not dissimilar to you know the experiences that a lot of people went through at that time and that we're still going through now but it was okay I still keep going because even though I've got this debt to pay off how far am I going to start doing another job to get paid where I start getting used to the money and then I turn around and say it's too difficult to move. So what did you then do then at that point? What did I do? Did you get your contract? Oh, what did I do? I mean, what jobs have I done? I've been a uh, BT operator. I've cleaned. I've done a cleaning job and that's why I will always respect the cleaners because... The way in which I was treated as an invisible person. You don't know people's stories. So if people are cleaning, whether that's their profession or not, treat them with respect. That that's that's the one thing. Cause that that experience in itself, I was invisible, people didn't see me, and I was just like, you know what? I'm studying for my master's in human rights and civil liberties. I'm going to be a lawyer. No, but people just you know, so, so. So, what did um, that do for you? The the fact that you're visible, or you were studying. So, I guess you were supporting yourself and yeah, and, and educating yourself, and people still seeing you as invisible because they were demeaning the role. Yeah, demeaning the role, and I, you know, this is the bit. Treat everybody with respect because everybody has value. Everybody has pride in their work. Um, so that that taught me that taught me a lot. Um, so those were the things that I did at that time to to get by, and then I made an application to a uh, a very renowned legal aid firm in Birmingham at the time, and they took ages. This is a bit that I've said about getting back to people. They took a, sorry, we've not made a decision yet. Sorry, we've not made a decision yet. And then I got a letter saying, I know you applied for that job. We can't give you that job because you're not qualified for it, but we'd like to offer you this job. And I was like, it was a paralegal. And I was like, yes, it's a job. (laughs) And I remember starting and they said, we're so sorry we took so long, but we decided there was two people that interviewed well that day and we wanted to take both of you. And it was about getting through the books and getting the approvals that they had to get at the time. And so that's how I got started. I started as a paralegal. A year later, I was offered my training contract I could get time taken into account. I qualified 12 months after that. And that was the moment that I went, is this what you tried to stop me from doing? Um, But it was interesting, you know, legal aid, a lot of people who look like me in that process because we're the people who are seeking the services of whether it's poor housing, Mm -hmm. whether it's criminality, whether it's immigration, whether it's... So there was a lot of people who looked like me both using the service and also delivering the service. So that was my norm. But what the challenge then was, 
And I remember seeing, we shared a building with another set of lawyers and one of the lawyers there was somebody that I'd studied my LPC, legal practice course with. Yeah. And I remember seeing him and it was just like, I'm so much better than you because I'm in a corporate firm and you're just doing legal aid. So that was the challenge. Could I do the, could I transition into the corporate world? And what I did. What are the differences? Or is it, yeah. What are the differences? Mm. For our audience, because it, it was yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's less like, it's, I guess in a way, the corporate world is more your business and the services that go around, the legal services that uh, service business. So then you start seeing less people that look like you because maybe we're not in those environments in that way. Right. So you start seeing your more your, your, your bigger corporates and, and what goes around, what services do they need, the employment, the so on and and so forth. So definitely I went from a world where there was a lot of people who looked like me to a world where, oh gosh, there was very few people that looked like me at my level. But nonetheless, it was okay, but we, we can do this. And as I was saying to yourself, my 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 tools for success are really authenticity, be kind to people. And the self-belief, those are those are the tools in my armoury that I feel have helped me get to where I am today. So for our viewers listening, when we talk about authenticity, it's about being the real you and who you are. Mm. And yes, we were talking earlier mm. that whether we are talking over coffee, yeah. at home, the way in which we're modelling that it's not very different. So maybe just for our audience. But it's taken a long time to get to that point. Totally. You know, because when you're starting out, um, you want to just fit in. So did you assimilate that? Of course. Of so course. for our audience, what does that mean in terms of the uniform fitting in? Oh, it, it, laughing at the jokes, maybe. Uh, going to places that I didn't really... I'm not a big drinker. I like socialising, but every Friday I found myself down the pub because that's where a lot of the business... Not the business, but the the ability to get to know more senior people. You know, you'd kind of miss out. Um, um, yeah, doing some stuff that maybe I look back and say, mm, if it was 2022, I wouldn't be doing that. You know, nothing horrible, but just trying to fit in rather than just being, you know, who I really am. And I get that it comes with seniority yes. in, in both career and, I think, age as well. I absolutely agree. I'd absolutely say that when you're in the, the third phase, we say, say past 49, that we are rich with experience. experience. Yeah. We were talking earlier about who would we mentor now when mm. you were talking about someone who may be looking to go into the next role, a partner at that level, because would you be looking at someone who's in their 20s, 30s? We know that actually, we know what that engagement is like, that being our very senior and... It's also that succession planning and all of that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think obviously, that the world now is so different. The entry into the law is so different. I don't have that relevant experience. So, yes, I can inspire and role model, but where I think my where I think my sweet spot is is the next level that are under me, the ones that are just getting ready to come into partnership, to really break it down and demystify it because nobody really tells you, you know, what to expect. Um, so, um, you know, I was chatting to somebody recently and they were like, whoa, I didn't realise. Oh, I didn't understand the language. So it's all of that. So if you was demystifying it just briefly, what is partner, you know, for someone listening, someone oh, else who's well, going to be inspired? Well, partnership is not the moment, you know, you get... I, there were many different runs of partnerships. So, wow. you know, I found myself at the bottom of another ladder. Wow. 
so there's another there's another journey there's all types of partners so you can have a salary partner which is what it says on the on the tin mm -hmm. do you have so much power and influence yes you have some but not as much as when you start getting into the equity when you start getting into the equity that's when you have to pay into the business as well right. so then you start having a little bit more of a say a more influence but then even when your equity there is another there, there might be junior equity middle equity senior equity and it's only when you start moving through that transition that you get more power and more influence. Wow. So it's, it's interesting. It is interesting. And I guess for those who have not walked that journey or if they're not in a network, they, they wouldn't have any knowledge, would they? You wouldn't know. You'd you kind of think, oh, you've made oh, your partner. That's amazing. There's so much more to it. Um, so... Um, I was really fortunate last year I attained equity. It's a Yay. huge, <laughs> no, it's, it's a huge deal because my circle is, I, I mix with a lot of partners, you know, that's my circle, but the very few that look like me that have managed to get into equity. And that? so, <laughs> who knows? It, it, it's, it's a tough process. It was a, what was the it process? was a grueling no, process. Really? So, you have to influence and you have to get the support and then you have to write a paper. You have to have the following with your practice and your business. So obviously there's a fi financial criteria that you must meet as well. And, you know, being uh, a black woman and, and just being a woman, just being, if we just forget about the colour point, mm -hmm. Let's just say, being a woman, we all know that as women, if we see a checklist of things, a criteria, yes. we need to do, there's 10. We need to do nine and a half of them really well, right? Yes. Okay. And so I started writing my paper even before I'd, I'd really sort of started the, the, the journey and got the back in because I needed to make sure that I could hit all of that criteria. By the end, when I presented my paper... My um, supporting partner said, Jitinda, you need to reduce that down because there's just, there's so much in there. And I said, but you need to know everything. You need to know that I can tick every single box. Whereas it was more of a, you know, I didn't need all of that detail, but that was, I need to make sure that I can tell you that I am worthy and I am I good enough. I was just about and that was, to say that. Was that more about, let me go there, yeah, yeah. was it more about self-worth and yeah, value? self-belief. It was self-belief. So, you know, I, I'd either, even seen some other people's papers, they'd been good enough. And to be fair, I was just like, I can't get away with just saying that. So let's go a bit further, though, because often women or black women, through my reading, mm. through my lived experience... What you just articulated that so what on one hand you could you can say self-belief here i am this is what i've delivered the research will also tell us that we will over prepare because we know that if we didn't maybe it wouldn't be reviewed so are we overcompensating is my yeah, point. I, I think we do. I think we do. That and imposter syndrome. That and imposter syndrome. Am I am I good enough to be at this table? So you've just brought up imposter syndrome. Why did you bring it up? Oh gosh, it it's there. It's always there. So people will say, Oh, you today you're so confident. Oh, you'll talk on this forum, you'll talk on that forum. There's always the little person that says, Can you believe you're actually in this room and nobody's interested? Tell us about that little person. Oh. Is this because the it's experience. experience? It's experience. I mean, I I can honestly say the time that I was crushed was a moment where I was going off to do a conference or speaking at a conference on a new piece of legislation that was coming through. And I'd prepared, as yeah. you do, and I'd said, this is also new can I run this past you? And the person said, I don't have time, don't have time, don't have time. When they had time was when I was just about to go for my train 
And this person listened to what I had to say. And I said, no, people won't be interested in what... I think I'd said, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in my opinion. It was a new piece of law, so I was just trying to interpret it and give my view. And they told me that nobody would be interested in what your opinion is, Yutunde. They just want to know what the law is. Stayed with me, crushed me. I remember going on and saying to people, I don't do public speaking. I don't do it because I literally, when I did that presentation, I stood up and all I could see was an audience that was saying, we're not interested in what you've got to say. We're not interested in your opinion because that was the seed that had been laid in my brain. And he tactically did that, I, even I in terms of the, I, the moment. Absolutely. It was but I haven't got time to fix this because I'm going for my train. I ended up saying, OK, I've got to fix this. So this is where the self-belief. So my next employer said, but we need, you, you've got a great personality. We need you to present. You know, you're going, I don't do that. So I, ha I went for hypnotherapy. I had to fix it. So I went for hypnotherapy. I um, went for a course of hypnotherapy and fixed it. So for our audience listening mm. now though because that's good that you fixed it so you went for hypnotherapy maybe they don't know what that is oh hypnotherapy oh gosh even or what, what is was it? that kind of process it was a even process in terms of, of just tools it gave me tools to recognize when i was feeling whether it was the imposter syndrome whether it was feeling you know really nervous to say I didn't know my stuff. It was almost re, re, relearning, taking out that nobody's interested to people are interested, people are interested. So tapes and exercises, mm. little tiny exercises to do, one of which I still do now, which is when your mouth gets all dry, when you start getting nervous, use the tip of your tongue to touch the top of your mouth and your mouth will start salivating and just simple things like that I remember them now and those are the things and you know there's not much that I'll say now I won't speak at that so then so now obviously so again you know for everyone listening that everyone sometimes has a moment oh, in terms of meeting different audiences because it's the unknown and what you're talking about yes that there are external factors mm. but there's also something that you just didn't sit with it you took action got some support got tools so we don't I so what you're saying is that life also happens whether it's in work or outside, outside, yeah. But we, do, I guess, we don't have to stay in that. You don't, I think that's. I think that's. You've hit it. You've hit the mo. You've hit the nail on the head. You don't have to stay there. You, you, you have choices. There are plenty of places and people willing to help. And I think it's that, isn't it? The biggest thing is to say, actually, I need the help in whatever it is, whatever part of our lives, because a lot of the time, huh. Oh, I'm a solicitor, I should know. I should know this, I should know what I'm doing. Actually, no, I don't know. And the law's changing so much. The conversations that we're having now are so rich. We talk about, we talk a lot about mental health mm -hmm. and well-being and stuff like that, which 20 years ago, you would never, never, ever, ever admit saying, you know, got imposter syndrome, isn't it, a, you know, isn't it difficult to deal with? We had a firm-wide conversation about it recently where some of our most senior partners were talking about it and it was fantastic because, you know what, we're all, we're all human. We've all come from somewhere. Um, it may be that just some of us may have been a bit more fortunate than, than others. So during the pandemic, for example, as head of office, I got, like, the senior partner to come and talk about. So, you know what? Where do you do your shopping? Did you have to queue and did you have to wipe it down? <laughs> you know why? Because we're all human. That's and wonderful. going through the pandemic. And, you know, when she said that she shops at Aldi, that was what everybody remembered. What, the senior partner shops at Aldi? <laughs> <laughs> the, and it was, it, and no, it was so, so good wonderful. because it was just... No, I'm laughing as well because I just think, you know, it just demystifies perception. perception. All those that think, oh, I need to shop at... 
because of the Joneses. But who are oh, the Joneses? Joneses. <laughs> there you go. No, but it's but it was all about that. So I had all the seniors come in to talk about their COVID experience or their, you know, promotion experience, you know, and just saying we're all, we all have a common purpose. I talked about, you know, there's a commonality, you know, despite the difference, there is a commonality. Um, and I think the pandemic was, you know, obviously it was, you know, it was absolutely awful for so many people. But I think through sharing experience, because nobody had faced that experience, it, you know, there was a way to get through to people. How have you um, enabled other women or men within the law firm now in terms of your contributions? Oh, do you know what? There's nothing better. I don't want to be looking left and right and seeing nobody who looks like me. And therefore, you know, my passion is mentoring and I've been doing it now for over 20 years, you know, in a formal setting. And I started doing it with the College of Law. My problem is I don't let go. And so, you know, I, I, and I, it genuinely brings me joy because my first mentee is, has gone on to become a partner herself and we're still in touch. And then another one is going to be my guest tomorrow at an event that we're going to. And I've, you know, these are two women that I've known for over 20 years. And one of them, you know, been to a wedding, about wow. some babies. And, you know, the joy is when she started mentoring me because she just said, so you turned out, what are you doing next? This is before I decided to go for equity. What are you doing next? And I just said, oh, out of the mouth of babes. Isn't it amazing? You know, because I'm listening just, and my mouth's open. Like, I'm always yeah. venturing, yeah. I was just like, well, I was all right. But now that you were looking at me to say what's next, I better find something <laughs> to do. Um, and so I I make it, I will talk to anybody. So um, one, one lady reached out via LinkedIn and just said, you know, I'm ready for the next stage. I, I'm just, I need somebody to talk to. We've become friends four or five years on. We're still in touch. Um, so I will take time. You know, I think it's my civic duty to give back. Um, I, I'm fortunate to have the time to do that. And I do a lot of that on a Saturday is when I have my chats. And, you know, the people that I've mentored, it'll be, they might get, so what's going on? I've not heard from you. What's happening? Do you know, the people that have got the benefit of the people who have really taken it and said, okay, I will call upon you because I, I can't be in people's pockets. You know, I'm there for you when you want me to be, or you might get a call out of the blue. And and that's the bit that I've really sort of enjoyed is when people have really made made use of that. That's wonderful. That is especially with mentoring for those listening. That's where you're I think imparting you have to be, your wisdom. You have to be proactive. Absolutely. You have to be proactive. If It's no good saying, oh, so-and-so's on my CV as my mentor, if you don't use them, because they've got wisdom that they will impart. And at the end of the day, Estelle, Estella. Thank you. Sorry. Um, nobody's beyond mentoring. So when I went through this equity journey... I was put into contact with 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 somebody in my um in my sector who is a leading figure and um she gave me an hour of her time. Wow. That hour of that her that her time. <laughs> but what she did was gave me a different set of glasses nice. to see the process with a different lens. So my paper, where I'd kind of gone, it was very flat. And it's about, you know, she was saying it's about taking ownership. And when you take ownership, not say I dealt with this, but own it, I led on this. Nice. And, you know, you say the same things in a different way, but it becomes more powerful. And that's what she gave me and I will 
for always be grateful for that one hour of her time. And all I would say is with mentoring, you know, be respectful of people's time. So be aware that they're doing busy jobs. So, you know, prepare. I was just about to say, what does that preparation look prepare like? Prepare whatever it is, whatever the whatever it is you want to discuss at that time, prepare, you know. And if you don't need to take an hour, the person will be grateful. So if you can do it in 45 minutes, be aware of that person's time, you know, you know, be sensitive to that. So if you don't need to take a whole hour and you can break it down to two half an hour slots, they might be grateful, but just be, you know, just be conscious of uh, that. And and what I would add to that is, and to be honest with you, any form of um, meeting um, or mentoring meeting, I always believe that everybody should prepare and have a focus. Why? Because you can maximise the time, time and also mm. listen with your ears mm. in terms of you ask a question and have that feedback rather than um, yeah. dominating. I think I think I think that's that that's important. That's that's really important. And also don't settle for the especially if you're going through some formal mentoring. So where I've got my two ladies that I've known for over 20 years, one of them was mine and one of them I poached because I saw that they were with somebody that I was just like, they can't, they can't, they cannot give you their life experience because they don't look like you and they're a different gender. So what do you, on that, just picking up on that point, what could you offer to other they happen, colour, yeah, clearly. they happened to be black women who wanted, no, one of them was a black woman, one of them was a South Asian woman. Um, but it was that experience from a diverse perspective, mm. the real deal. You know, I, you know, it was, I can share with you the reality of being a woman of colour in this profession. Yeah. I think that's what, you know, and that was golden because... A white guy who may have had, well, who's come from a position of privilege, you know, that kind of, oh, I'm qualification, I became a partner. That, I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. That, that does not happen, you know, to people of colour unless they're in a, a small high street firm. You know, it, it, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It's, it's less likely to happen. And so both of these women, a bit like myself, ended up having to go through a different route to get get to their end goal. But as I said, one's now a partner in a very... Well, she's moved on now recently, but she was a partner in a really leading firm. And the other one is very, very, very senior in a, a local authority. And so that's the bit about uh, when we started this conversation about you may not go from... You know, you may not have the journey that you have and you may have the pitfalls, but they're not pitfalls and they're not... Hurdles are made to be navigated. So I wouldn't call them pitfalls, I'd call them hurdles, actually. Yeah, and I... Because you don't fall down and stay down. You go, absolutely. You go up and you stay up. Or even if you fall, as you say, mm. have a moment, moment, but then know that... Yeah. Brush yourself off. And we press on. Yeah. And it's very interesting because over the the weeks now and the months, having the privilege, I would say, of speaking to, I'll say, so many women of colour, mm. that one, that there certainly is that gap, Yutande, in terms of how many black women or Asian women who are are called influential, leading in their mm. industries. And for me, in terms of the stories and what's most powerful, despite being told no, despite being say, oh, did you sleep with the partner then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, sowing that seed yeah, yeah. of value. Mm. 
but all of them have risen in their fields and all very willing to share. But what they're sharing is not the woe is me, but being able to say, yeah, this was my history. These, these are, like you're articulating so beautifully, some of the things that I have done. This is what I'm doing for the next generation. The real deal. It's not a meal deal. The real deal. Which, but also, I just say this again. It's just even beautiful just having conversation with you because your authenticity, so from the core, you just mm. seem to lead from within. You're very much a people person because I just even remember talking to you at the Black Business Show and how you're attentive to that engagement, the follow-through. There's just something about your values and, and how that That's plays out though, as well. That's everything though, isn't it though? Your your true true values because you can't lie to yourself. When it's quiet, who who are you? What is important to you? And what and and what's always been important to me is those around me. I want them to have everything and some in abundance, whatever it is. And if I can help them, there's nothing. It's the biggest privilege to go on somebody's journey with them, isn't it? Absolutely, reasons, I absolutely agree. Reasons and seasons. There's no, you know, when I ping Dave uh, Roberts a message out of the blue. I bet he feels amazing. And I tell him, you know, I, I'm not in his pocket, but, you know. He's your foundation to, to, though, really. To, to be He's so influential in somebody's journey for however long it is and to leave that legacy, I think is... There's there's nothing more. Um, there's no there's no bigger privilege, is there? I'm in total agreement and total awe because you know? for me, um, I just believe the investment mm. that I it's within people. But that's how you bring around the change. That you know, as I've said, I look left, look right. Nobody look like me. So how do you change it? So I say to the guys. Each one, teach one. And that's what we talked about at uni. That's what we, we used to study together because it's not about me getting ahead and going, oh, aren't I better than you? It's about if we're going to, you know, really bring about change, it's about not only changing society, but giving people the tools to make sure that they can navigate society. And it's not a secret. You know, you know, for those people, and people do talk about women who get to senior positions and then pull up the ladder. What's the point? What's the to me? To me, I failed. Well, yeah, but also, but to me, I would say the same thing. Mm. So even with us sitting here today, mm. it's become very apparent and just very natural that we've now have a collective of senior women meaning seniority in their yeah. industries, the first time coming together yeah. for Birmingham. And we know in terms of socialisation, for example, looking at a younger attendee, imagine hearing this podcast oh. now, the steps we took, knowing that open, demystifying... I can do that. Absolutely. She's so real. And that you, I, I, you know, as I said, the, the, the ability to be authentic is actually quite powerful. And I don't think I realised how powerful it was. But I know, I know what bad leadership looks like and feels like. Didn't want to be like that. And so what do I have? All I have is me. That's that's all I have is me. Maybe we could explore that a bit more because I I guess I've had the privilege of, as I've said, working across the three sectors mm. and even with some of our different generation women. And I would absolutely say have a commitment to collaborate 
rather than compete. Because, A, that when you collaborate and when I reflected on my own journey, mm. that what do I draw out? That I've always united people. Not that I... You know, it's, you have to take a point of reflection in terms of visibility and representation, naturally, and drawing in everyone to come have a conversation. And that's what you achieve when you work in a way that is authentic. Mm. You attract like minds. Mm. Talk to a bit, talk a little bit more about the authenticity and I would say even the importance to... Our first thing, we're talking to, you know, women of colour about that importance of authenticity and working together. You know, it's really tiring not being your true self. I know, it is. That's it's extending, ex- isn't it? It's Come exhausting. on, that's why they... And that's why acting, they... Look. Acting <laughs> is, you know, it, you know, it You're really... You're making me up now. Yeah, it's true. It's, it really is. And I, and I do... We are in a different time. And over the last two years, two and a half years... No, two years, two mm. years. You know, there has been... It's a different time. It's a different conversation, and people have, you know, those conversations have been, have been really liberating. Um, but I know for me, I, you know, I I got made head of office, and when I was made head of office, January twenty twenty, I got the news. I think I got the news in the November, and it's supposed to happen with effect from the new financial year. So I thought I'd get some time to shadow. Events changed, and they said, Jitunde, we'd like you to start on the 1st of January. And my mum, my natural mum, died on the 7th of January. Mm. So there I am, head of office. How good to be head of office? That was, you know, my expectation. And when I spoke to um, my fellow partners about being head of office, and I'm very vocal, I'm out there on LinkedIn, and, you know, what do you want me to change? And they said, Jitunde, nothing. This is your blank piece of paper. Do with it what you will. So I knew that my colleagues, that would be, that would be not easy, but I knew I wouldn't have so many difficulties because, you know, I'd been a founding partner of the office. So I knew everybody anyway. But also I've got a number of partners as well. And what's really interesting is that at the time, my area of the business was probably the smallest. I practice in a very niche area of law. And so there's these guys doing big deals and what have you. So it was all about how am I going to add value? How am I going to be relevant for them to mm. them? So my mum's died. I've just been made head of office. People are looking at me and I'm like, I'm done. I need some time. And I remember saying... I'm just going to tell people what's happened. Um, and it wasn't about the condolences, because I think I even penned, it's not the condolences. I just want you to know that I'm human. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's, to me, you know, I, you know, it, it's really important because it's almost like you become a senior leader and people suddenly think that you don't have problems. And that's the whole bit around, I'm still no different. I'm still you know, Eton Day and stuff is going to happen. So I kind of just said to them, look, this has happened. You know what, it's actually okay. I'm not right at the moment. I will be all right, but I just need to take a moment. And so I still worked, I'm still busy. I remember I was doing a big tender at the time, but I just said, I'm just going to take myself out of this space. I'm going to work from home. It's just before COVID. Um, And I think, you know, when I came back, you know, from and a bit of compassionate leave. Um, I think there's a a big gap between laying my mum to rest because we were waiting for people to come from overseas. But it was on the verge of COVID. When I came back, COVID was happening. And then it was just like, you know what? It is all right not to be all right because this is... And so I I, I was really had those skills to kind of just, you know, sort of see people through and I think that authenticity and showing Mm. you know what 
I'm having a pants day today as well. Do you know what I mean? Let's just let's just put it out there. I'm having a pants day, but that's okay. We'll start again tomorrow. I, I just think I had, because of my interpersonal skills and because of that realness, I just think it's allowed me to succeed without and being able to take the mask off. What's the mask? <laughs> What's the mask? <laughs> yeah, because for us, they'd be like, mask. The, the mask was, I think, in those days when I was trying to be one of the boys, when I was laughing at the jokes that might have been a bit racist, a bit sexist, what have you. Whereas now, I'm just very much like, sorry, now nah, not having that. But do you think that that was also part of us assimilating and that uniformity? Like, did you wear, like, the suits? And I remember... <laughs> The clothes and I is did. that because the power, dressing. We, the power dressing? So it's almost yeah, covering up the insecurities. I hide behind this suit um, and these heels and, the and all the weaves. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's really quite interesting. I had one weave. Did you lose yourself. I had one weave. And actually, you know, uh, my husband's not a fan of them anyway. And, and I wasn't with him at the time, but they they weren't me. But I, I, I get that and I respect that. But I have always straightened my hair, whether it was... I've always had my hair... Apart from, actually, let me not tell a fib, when I was at a legal aid firm, I was... I was just about to say, head actually, wraps. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, head wraps and all the rest of it. But I was in that kind of environment. But in the more corporate... I've always, I have always, uh, I have, no, I've braided my hair. I had braids at the legal aid firm as well. I think um, I braided my hair. I went to Ghana a few years ago and it's really funny because as soon as I came back, even my husband said to me, braids need to come out. And I was like, yeah, I feel it. It doesn't, just doesn't feel the same. But that's for me. But at the same time, that conversation about hair is very real. In the legal profession, particularly, um, and you know, I fully respect people, women who don't want to straighten their hair. However, you want to be, what is your authenticity? I support that. That's right for you. So, if you want to wear your hair out, I'm good with that. If you want to locks up, I'm good with that. You know, this has been so um, stimulating. I'm. <laughs> But you know you today, we are going to ask you to come back for a part two. But for now, is there any closing words that you'd want to share with our audience or even in terms of reflect on what we've talked about? Any key points that we would want to share with you? You know what? I, I think I think the title is perfect. The art of self-belief. Because it is an art. To get to that point where you have that self-belief, that courage to believe in you. The one thing about you is it's only you that can let yourself down. Yeah? If, you know, it, it comes down to you, you can use the excuses of this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, it's you that has to look at you in the mirror. So did you, did you turn up on time? Seriously, did you get out of bed? Could you have got out of bed earlier? Could you have left that party half an hour earlier so that you could make the meeting? Yeah, but for but for you know other factors like transport and stuff like that, you know, did you really prepare for that meeting? Did you properly? You are the only one that actually knows the truth in all of that, um, and so it is an art. And, you know, it's uh, it's uh, art to be crafted. Um, but once you have that self-belief, nobody can take it away from you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for gracing us with your time. And there will oh, no, definitely be a part two. Estella, thank you. thank you so much for asking me thank you for your patience because I know I bailed on you once um before but it, it's been great I feel I feel nourished oh wow. I feel nourished this is like going to one of those places to get fed and you get fed it gives you energy and it will propel me wow you know thank you because um some of our other guests have also shared that mm -hmm. 
and we just inspired and looking forward to the future and what I can see with us as women we've absolutely stepped out of our history into our destiny yeah step into the light into the light thank you thank you that's it for this episode and thank you so much for listening I hope you found this episode inspiring so please do follow download and review this podcast which helps us to expand our reach. I would love you to help us to reach more listeners by taking a screenshot and tagging us on your socials. And you can find links to all my social media in the show notes. Until next time, when I'll be joined by another incredible guest, take care until we connect again. And most importantly, take action.